the whole subject of unidentified flying objects, I feel and have felt for some time, will remain an enigma until we change our attitude to the cosmos, until we realize that we don't just live in a three-dimensional world, but that there are many dimensions. And the sooner we come to grips with the concept of living in a multidimensional universe, the better we should be able to understand not only why our planet is being visited by aliens in craft from other worlds, both physical and non-physical, but also the more recent hypothesis of scientists like Capra and Rupert Sheldrake the universe has to be accepted as consisting of very many dimensions. And since creation in the cosmos is continuous, it is subject to cyclical or recurring laws. And we see the effects of this in natural phenomena like the seasons and the movement of the moon and so on. And cyclical laws, laws also apply to the minerals, the vegetation, the animals, and human beings. They apply to history, to the rise and fall of civilizations, and to groups within nations, and to individual lives. It was Edgar Cayce in his revelations on the laws of reincarnation and karma who outlines this concept. These cyclic laws also affect, inevitably, the evolution of planetary systems and galaxies and so on. It was Plato, um, about 400 years BC, who saw life as constantly changing. It was either passing away or coming into being. And the Eastern philosophers and mystics have given utterance to these matters for a far longer time than Plato. And it's only now that our modern physicists are beginning to appreciate the attitude of the mystics. Capra, for example, says, to view the universe as a dynamic, inseparable whole which always includes the observer in an essential way. He refers to two kinds of knowledge. Throughout history it has been recognized that the human mind is capable of two kinds of knowledge, of two modes of consciousness, which have often been termed the rational and the intuitive and have traditionally been associated with science and religion, respectively. In the West, the intuitive religious type of knowledge is often devalued in favor of rational scientific knowledge, whereas the traditional Eastern attitude is, in general, just the opposite. This is very important. The conclusions I've come to with regard to this subject are very largely intuitive. From an entirely different approach, Rupert Sheldrake, through his researches as a biologist, 
is rediscovering the interrelatedness of all life in his morto morphogenetic fields which exist apart from material structures entirely. With our five senses and limited intellect, we are aware of changes at this level of life experience, but the changes are taking place at many levels, and not just at the third dimensional physical level with which we are so familiar. Um, Rereading a book um, of Paul Branton's recently, I came across a comment he made about present civilization, which I thought was very apt. On returning um, from India on one of his travels, he took a fresh look at our Western way of life, and he said, I saw modern society no longer as a glorious civilization, but as an unhappy catacomb of dormant souls. He was, of course, referring to the decadence into which Western civilization has fallen and the fact that most of us are spiritually asleep. Now, Rudolf Steiner says in a different way the same sort of thing, and he also says that we cannot afford to be asleep because we're facing the most critical period in our history. He echoes the opinion of many thinkers of our time when he informs us that a battle is being waged for the minds and souls of all upon this planet. Our aerial visitants come partly to stir our imagination, our intuition, and partly to alert us to these truths. If we do not wake up to this fact, we are doomed to disaster. And those beyond our planet realize this. We do not. <coughs> and coming back to that point later. Traditionally, interplanetary visitors have been with us for millennia. We are ourselves sky people. We live in the universe. We live on a planet which is, if you like, a ship, a spaceship. Now, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and their contemporaries in other lands, they spoke of the gods and their messengers returning to this planet periodically in its long history. Various tribes in North America and Africa and other primitive peoples in different parts of the world knew of the coming of the visitors from the sky. And there were those among them who claimed that their ancestors were not of earthly origin. I think it's Plato who says the Atlanteans were, were not earth people, that they come from elsewhere. And then if we take um, references um, in the Bible, we, we find the mention of clouds and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And we find elsewhere mention of whirlwinds and rings of fire and fiery chariots and the chariots of the gods and in India the Vamanas. And these terms, the terms that we use today, are describing the same phenomena. For nearly 50 years, if we include the war years, there's been sufficient evidence that something is coming and flying round this planet. 
and the things that are flying around this planet are, are remotely controlled and certainly intelligently controlled. There are theories that some come from the interior of the earth. We haven't sufficient evidence that this is so. It may be so. But they're seen worldwide. And I myself have been privileged to see them on several occasions. I've seen them at Warminster when I've been with groups of people. I have seen them over the Axe, the River Axe in Axminster, low over the river. I've seen them make their vertical ascent and descent. I've seen them fall like a leaf. I've seen them move very quickly and noiselessly across the sky. I've also seen them spin like a top with their coloured lights, so it's rather like a glittering chandelier turning in space. And I also saw, with my husband, one July afternoon when we were having tea in the garden, this was, I saw an aeroform come over the roof of the house. And I was walking across the lawn at the time to go indoors and to find some more hot water for the teapot. And I looked up and saw this thing coming in and I said, look. And he jumped up and stood by me and I was so glad that I had a witness to this. This aeroform that was coming in was triangular. It had no markings. It had no appendages of any kind at all. It made a right angle turn and it had gone. But the thing that impressed me most, I think, was the fact that it was semi-transparent. It was not solid. It was not completely solid, or so it appeared. Now I want to say one or two things about solid forms. Mostly, you, you, we see the disc shapes. <coughs> the disc shaped objects, these oval, <coughs> or the, uh, like two saucers put together, have been to seen to enter these large cigar-shaped ships to enter into them and to come out of them. So the assumption is that the large vehicles are craft carriers and they house the smaller ships. I was speaking to a veteran airman um, about a couple of years ago and he and another pilot during the war had seen these discs enter and come out of the ship. He said they were like, um, well I, I say like swan, uh, signets climbing onto the swan's back but um, they were entering the ship and coming out of it and they didn't know what they were. Now, this, these, um, these craft have been seen all over the world. They've been all seen all over the world. They've been seen by all sorts of people, people in all walks of life, professional people, humble people, working the land, fishermen and so on. There have been cases of craft landed and information has come out about these craft unconfirmed. They have been confiscated, they have been examined. The individuals, the crews of these craft have been, um, shall we say, frozen, put into deep freeze and kept. Those of you who read, who, who've read the Bible will know that Ezekiel gives a very good description of these spacecraft 
and the fact that the beings associated with them whom he called angels had the likeness of men it's repeated again and again they had the likeness of men now we come to the non-solid forms or what Dr. Mead Lane called the mutants the belief of open-minded independent scientists is that some of these vehicles and their occupants come from other dimensions they of course define other dimensions as antimatter fourth dimensional or hyperspace and La Watson he writes of supernature and the supernatural and John Keel a very controversial UFO writer refers to the superspectrum or the area beyond our third dimensional frequency which is multidimensional while most modern scientists ignore the world of the occultists and spiritualists theosophically speaking the dimensions beyond the third are many and graded there being seven major planes with seven subplanes within each plane multidimensional forms are noted for their ability to change shape and color in transit and appear or vanish instantaneously there are also the luminous spheres of pure light notably brilliant they grow orange but at other times the craft seem resplendent with all the colors of the spectrum and the colors are vibrant and jewel like to the vision they've also been seen during the wartime uh, traveling through the compartment of a plane sometimes these small opaque white lights little discs of light rather like I think George Adamski called them tele-eyes they've traveled through through the ship or they've paced the ship um, they plane during the war as though they were picking up impressions and the emotions of the crews they are very like little spirit lights that would be seen by the sitters and they would try and touch them they were six to eight inches in diameter but they, they could never touch them they always evaded their hands so I think it was, it was probably a remote control device of a similar nature many strange explanations have been given to these inexplicable experiences that is the globes of light and colour a few investigators into the paranormal think the globes of pure light may be formed by angelic beings flying in groups or clusters or that these spheres are the massed auras of beings lacking solid form now Swedenborg um, in studying he had out of the body experiences I don't know whether any of you know of this and he used to travel through the solar system and with regard to the planet Mercury he found that some of them were not willing to appear as men like the spirits of other earths but as crystalline globes because the knowledge of things immaterial are, are represented in the other life by crystals they also appeared in a volume extending itself lengthways when assembled together in large numbers they form as it were a globe so that they act in unison and telepathically as a group I thought that was rather interesting all these experiences the things that we're seeing and the things that we hear and the things that we read about and recognize 
they are forcing us away from this entrenched materialism of the day and of the past century and our survival depends on changing our thought patterns and opening our minds to other worlds and other dimensions we have to accept that these are that there are different vibrational frequencies within the dimensional fields of the cosmos in all its vastness we are conscious only of the third dimension and are limited by our five senses and mental and spiritual restrictions the reach of our minds can however take us beyond this other intelligent people are conscious of the dimension in which they live and those more advanced than ourselves in every way also possess the ability to enable them to come into our frequency at will there is a hypothesis by the way and some of you will know of this that it has been said that they can bend light so that they and their craft become invisible George Van Tassel who was an American engineer who, who um, went over a spaceship he refers to this he had contacts with space people he refers to this bending of light he said when they discharge the crystal battery by pressing on either side of it it releases the charge into their electric body or aura and causes light to bend around them therefore appearing to disappear to the limited physical vision of anyone who is watching them they do not materialize or go into any other dimension they are solid and physical as always but they are, out, but they are outside of the limit of physical vision I want to come now to this um, this business of matter not being solid we know the atom is a mysterious structure made up of many parts or fragments of energy vibrating at different frequencies invisible to normal sight if we relate the atom to man himself very broadly, very loosely speaking man is a complex and mysterious structure made up of various parts these parts are mostly non-physical and invisible to normal vision those with clairvoyant abilities can sometimes see two auras or energy fields around the body one of the blueprint or the etheric double of the dense physical body and the other of the astral or emotional body we know that the same consciousness within the atom is also within the individual within humanity itself within the planet within the solar system in fact this consciousness embraces and penetrates the whole cosmos we now know that matter is not solid and that matter and mind or consciousness exist as energies and we are being reminded that our world of the third dimension is a very insubstantial world in reality our world is also a living entity the third dimensional physical worlds the dense worlds exist within the confines of the infrared and the ultraviolet spectrum that is to say the vibrational frequency of the third dimension and they now appear to be one tiny aspect of planetary and solar creations beyond these limitations are thought to exist other unseen worlds peopled by highly intelligent life clad in bod bodies appropriate to their planetary and solar conditions 
and of a far more subtle nature, existing in frequencies which render them invisible to our vision. The Bible speaks of heaven and the host of heaven. The spirituals speak of the other side, or the greater world, and the kahunas speak of here living and there living. It really doesn't matter what terms we use. The hard fact remains that there are worlds in space inhabited by great hierarchies of spiritual beings. Their way of life would be incomprehensible to us from our viewpoint at this moment in time. It is this so-called psychic aspect of phenomena which has silenced the churches and the scientists. Mead Lane, whom I mentioned earlier, he speaks of the vehicles as Newtons or ether ships, and he also speaks of the beings with them as Ethereans. Another point that's very interesting in connection with all this is um, Jacques Vallée, the scientist, his interest in the psychic phenomena connected with the sightings. He's concerned about the control element which is influencing our minds. Another person who's very concerned with the control element is John Keel. Um, John Keel seems to think that, that these other entities, that that is the, um, the non-physical ones, come from the astral worlds because they are nearest to this dimension. But I feel myself that they come from many levels, mental and astral and spiritual. John Keel, of course, um, I, takes, I, think I, I think he takes rather a depressing view of things. He seems to think that the... The uh, majority of the, the contacts, the visitants, the aliens who are coming here are negative and out to confuse us and he doesn't like their influence at all. He also says we are seeing the servants and not the masters. I think he's right about that. It sounds very sinister, but I don't, think, um, I, I don't think it can be interpreted in that way at all. I think the masters come later. Are these people like us in appearance? Some of them could pass us in the streets and we wouldn't know that they were people from another planet. But there are many strange, majoritively about um, four foot in height, many strange people they may they are humanoid in form they have arms and legs and head and eyes and so on but some of them have gray scaly skins they are not attractive in fact they're rather frightening not all of them but some of them but there are among them the tall fair rather handsome beings is intelligent communication possible and the short answer is yes. Communication between earth and heaven has always been possible. And in recent years, when I say recent years, the last four decades, I suppose, in particular, contact has been made by all means available between them and us. They've used radio, they've used radio telegraphy, they've used ordinary mediumship, they've used uh, telepathic channels, They've used an electronic beam. And in May 1969, Sir Anthony Brooke, 
published a study paper in America from which I would quote a geologist, a magnetic scientist, a world authority on spacecraft makes this comment Undoubtedly, our space brothers, working through what some investigators are calling space commands, are using the sensitives of this world to direct messages of information in regard to the dangers we are facing by the abuse of our atomic findings. So it behoves the investigators of today as they move into the fourth dimensional universe, note that, to pay heed to the voices of the sensitives who are able to record the apparent directives of these organized space people. Don't discount this, but with an open mind, live with it. Inquire into it. This cooperation is made possible because these space people have found the way to fly from their planets to our own, and they do it by the thousands all over the planet, day by day, week after week, and year after year. And this statement was signed by Dr. Silas Newton and dated April 1969. We are coming to the conclusion that there are grades of living and being and that the Creator has seen fit to place barriers between them. We have no direct contact with those living on the astral frequency excepting in very special circumstances and usually through a medium who can act as an intermediary. The same situation applies to other frequencies. The higher, more advanced people come, 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 come down to the third dimension, but we cannot go to them until the barrier is lifted or special permission is given. Jesus had to remind his closest friends that where he was to go, they could not go but that he would prepare a place for them and return, that they might be with him. Now this reference to the messages of the sensitives, the thing that has developed so rapidly worldwide is the telepathic link. The creation of a telepathic link up throughout the planet involving selected individuals and groups of people the telepathic channels are serving the same purpose as the prophets and seers of past ages. They are recording information and guidance from space people and also the spiritual hierarchies of the planet and the solar system. That is, those who exist beyond the astral dimensional levels and in the higher mental and spiritual strata, if I may use such an inadequate term, to be given to those who will listen to help and uplift them so that they may think and act in a positive manner, in a more enlightened manner. There are many facets development out of this influence upon us. This is what you see um, John Keel and Jacques Vallée are so concerned about that what he could, they call the manipulation of our minds. But it can be for good or evil and they acknowledge that. but their constant and repetitive visitations to this planet are making us think. There are one or two angles on, on this situation that I want to touch on. 
One is the rise and fall of civilizations. Historians could always trace the downfall of a civilization. They always knew what happened to bring a civilization down. But they were at a loss to explain how a civilization rose. What were the factors that brought about a new civilization? And some of them rose rapidly and to great heights. That the Bible, it, within the Bible, there were clues to the rise of another one. And I think by implication that help had to come from outside the planet. And I think it's something we might do well to bear in mind. I shall come back to that again. They're already influencing our minds, you see. And then there's cosmology, the sacred science. It was sacred in the past. This combination of astronomy, astrology, and occult knowledge. The ancient priesthoods had much knowledge which has been lost to us today. Fragments have survived in Western culture which tell us that our solar system moves through one constellation or sign in the 12 signs of the zodiac in a period of approximately 2,150 years termed an age or a cycle. This cycle of time varies but we do know that the solar system travels through the whole zodiacal wheel in an estimated period of approximately 25,800 years to 26,000 years. Cosmology indicates that external influences exist between the planets and their suns and other celestial bodies and that there are periodical celestial and terrestrial upheavals towards the end of each age as the system moves from one age to the next. We're experiencing quite a lot of ge geological changes now, geophysical changes and our scientists know that this is inevitable. They may not know the reason why, except that these things happen in cycles, like history. But what is of great significance is that we have come full circle. We have reached the end of what the ancients used to call a sun age, a sun cycle. We've reached the end of a sun cycle. And we are now moving into the Aquarian field, which is of a much higher vibration. A big change is taking place now. <coughs> we do know that, um, because of all the researches that have been done in, in recent decades, that there, are, there have been big changes taking place in the past. Um, over long periods of time and over short periods of time dramatic changes have taken place upon the earth that is geophysically speaking and there are hints that we're coming up to an ice age or we're coming up to another big upheaval I think we have to bear in mind that the planet is a living entity you see it was Edgar Cayce the, um, the healer and psychic in America it was Cayce who said, and others have borne it out since, that the earth is a living entity and that human beings on the earth, en masse, are, um, by their thoughts and by their actions, influencing the earth. There's an interplay here. 
And if we continue with our violence all over the earth, if we continue to behave badly, if we continue to be negative and destructive, then the upheavals will be greater and more dramatic. But if by a change of heart or more enlightened living, we decide to make amends and we decide to change things. As Gildas through Ruth White um, has announced, we can sail, this planet can move gracefully into this new age, this, this Aquarian field. We can do that, but it depends on man's conduct as to whether we move dramatically with great upheavals or whether we move smoothly into this new cycle. But the whole cosmic process is far greater than the purely physical effects. We are faced with a worldwide struggle and the situation seen at this level can only worsen until a sufficient number of awakened people endeavour to change it. I've just mentioned that cases said that the activities of mankind en masse affect the planet. Um, the man who wrote the book about the earthquake generation, Paul James, he says, those who are intelligently awakened to what man is know that these periods recur in individual and group levels. But when one of these periods comes to a large segment of, of mankind that has ripened to the task, we have by definition a conclusive battle between the forces of good and evil. In such a struggle, recalcitrant mankind has an opportunity to learn that all of our unbrotherliness must backfire upon ourselves, because not only are we our brother's keeper, but in the deepest level of the unconscious we are our brothers, that is, we are one another. They are our larger selves. And this, of course, is what Dr. Arthur Gurdon said, we are each other. We have to bear in mind that the present conflict between men is the ancient battle of good and evil, never totally good, nor totally evil, yet ordering through this duality of approach to life, both creation and destruction, simultaneously. And this is happening all over the world, it's happening all about us. We are not facing the end of the world, but we're facing the end of the present world system. Dr. Silas Newton observed to Sir Anthony Brooke that we are moving into the fourth dimensional universe and away from many of the great limitations imposed upon us by the third. There is a school of thought, you know, that says we're never meant to live in this third dense uh, condition at all. This is, this is another definition of the fall. Um, Silas Newton is able to make this pronouncement because he has accepted the information coming to him from space by very sensitive and has sought and gained confirmation of this fact. And there are many others who have done so. Another American scientist, Dr. James Hurtak, in his book, The Keys of Enoch, he writes, between the periodical time scales of cosmic renewal, man emerges on the scene as an intelligence which survives by being part of the Father's plan for ongoing soul creation. Is that man then to await the total destruction of the planet? God forbid. What the Father has ordained, he beckons into a new creation through the return of the Masters, 
who will set their feet upon the planet in order to assist man in the work of recreation. The paradox of momentary death will stand as a leveling force of the false powers of planetary control, while the consciousness awakening of human and interdimensional intelligence will share the new day that will come upon them so quickly that death does not recognize that it has passed into life. The rite of passage will lead into the light, and the light shall devour the fires of death as three-dimensional consciousness puts on the image of light. There's a link here with um, St. Paul saying we shall all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, and some shall not know death. And in using the phrase in a flash from the Greek, he took the word enotomo, which is the very Greek word from which the adjective atomic is derived. Many sensitives have intimated that the vibrational frequencies or pulses of the earth of the third will eventually reach a pitch causing a sudden and tremendous reaction. No one knows when that significant moment will be reached, but briefly and scientifically speaking, the overall effect will be similar to an external charge on the nucleus of an atom, which charge changes the substance of the atom in a flash. I think we should bear in mind that the planet is now subject to man-made radiation and cosmic radiation, both of which are radioactive in nature. The Earth is being subjected to radioactive impregnation through nuclear fission and ultimately it is suspected to nuclear fusion so that the whole planet will become radioactive. Behold, I make all things new. This doesn't mean total destruction for the human race. This means that there is to be a fundamental change or mutation in the molecular structure of every atom in our physical world, including the whole of nature and our own bodies, as we move out of dense matter into a more fluid condition of finer substance, vibrating at a faster rate. This is the quickening essential to our evolutionary growth. We are then on the upward spiral and moving away from matter to light, the source of all life. It depends on our conduct as to how, how far we can develop and increase our own frequency. We have to secure mastery over ourselves in order to continue the refining processes which alone can help us to aspire and reach the higher frequencies attuned to the Christ vibration. What is has resulted from a common cause, mankind's inability to rise above his inhumanity towards others. But what is also communicates the shape of things to come, mankind's realization that with love, courage and true insight all is possible and that from the pungent odor of the ashes of a dying civilization is arising the bird of paradise. When we show a change of heart, when we take right action, then shall one come to us whose task it is to aid all. Our space communicators tell us there will not be, there need not be, an axle shift. 
and that should those in power decide on a nuclear war, it will be stopped by them. The earth is not to be destroyed, has it not been promised as the inheritance of the meek. Nevertheless, fundamental changes are ineluctable. They cannot be avoided because the earth has to be cleansed of its pollution and made new, reborn. The space people do indeed know our destiny and they have assured us of their help when the moment of change comes and later with the work of building a new civilization. Uh, William Kingsland in an earlier book, I forget the title of the book, but it's to do with future. He says, humanity reaches forward to a spiritual consummation when the whole earth will be peopled with a race of men fully conscious of their godlike nature and powers and sin, sickness and death would have been banished from the re for the remaining period of the earth's cosmic cycle. I probably haven't given what you what you expected to hear from me, but I hope there are things there that you might want to discuss.